What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hay un problema que afecta a muchos niños que no puedo resolver sola. Se llama estrés tóxico y esto aumenta el riesgo de problemas de salud. Pero hay pasos que los padres pueden tomar para superar el estrés tóxico. Aprende cómo en first5california.com. Hi everyone, Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Friday, May 19th, 2023. It's about 9.05 in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Patrick Lancaster joins us now. Patrick, as many of you know, is a United States Navy veteran uh, who for the past eight years has been uh, doing some of the most courageous, effective, and insightful reporting from the ground uh, in Ukraine in the English language of anybody in the world. Patrick joins us now from Russia on the Russian side of the Ukraine-Russian border. Patrick, it's a pleasure. I personally have followed you. Many of uh, Judging Freedom fans have followed you. This is a first for you. I hope it's a, and a first for me that we're meeting. I hope it's the first of many uh, encounters together and congratulations on all your uh, incredibly courageous work. Well, uh, thank you, Judge, for having me. It's a real honor to be here. Um, thank you. Uh, before we run uh, a, a montage of some of your more dramatic uh, and effective and insightful reporting, I wonder if you could just give us, oh, that's, that's Chris, that's my dog. I wonder if you could just give us a handle on uh, how you think things are going. The American uh, government says it's going to support Ukraine. I just have to close the door. Bear with me. No problem. <clears throat> now he's mad that I closed the door. The American government says it's going to support Ukraine for as long as it takes without, of course, a definable goal or a reasonable uh, endpoint. Colonel uh, Doug McGregor, Scott Ritter, Phil Giraldi, Larry Johnson, uh, the, the folks that we uh, normally, Tony Schaefer, the experienced military and intelligence people that we put on this show, and, and I, of course, I'm not experienced military or intel, the law is my field, uh, are of the view that the West is extending an inevitable defeat and causing more death and destruction than is necessary and President Putin's not going to stop until he achieves his goal. How do you see it? Um, pretty uh, uh, close uh, to that. I mean, the, the, the major point is, um, regardless whether the West likes it or not, Russia 
has made a stand and said that four of the regions of what's internationally considered a part of Ukraine, Russia says, and by Russian law, uh, the Donetsk, Lugansk, Zaporozhye, and Kherson regions are by Russian law part of Russia, whether the West likes it or not. And there's no way uh, Putin and uh, Russia is going to stop until they have full control of those uh, areas um, because it would, it would just be too, they, there's no way they, they can let it happen and will let it happen. And if we could go into these different uh, regions piece by piece and sit here for hours and if not days, but the fact is this all started with, um, of course, uh, Crimea in 2014 Um when the local population of Crimea had the referendum to uh, break away from Ukraine and join Russia. I was there. I reported on that. And then stop you right here. Was that a legitimate referendum that legitimately revealed the real preferences of the people there? Or was it a fake and a fraud as the U S state department claims? In the beginning of March uh, in 2014, I was in Europe and I was seeing what was going across uh, the, uh, the the Western news saying how the little green men showed up in Crimea uh, trying to make uh, the uh, people accept Russia and accept the Russian forces are invading. And I went to Crimea as pretty much a, a, a neutral Person, I didn't know a lot at that time about the interactions and the political differences between Ukraine and Russia. I just went to see something with my own eyes of what was really happening. And when I got to uh, Crimea and uh, started in Simferopol, I saw a sea of Russian flags and people uh, crying in happiness of that, in their words, going home to Russia. I mean, what the people in the West don't realize is people that were born in Crimea before 1954 were actually born in Russia. Right. only been part of Ukraine since 1954, and many of the Russian population and the uh in Russia and in Crimea, considers that as an illegal turnover of the Crimean Peninsula to Ukraine. And they can, much of the population considers that they never should have been part of Ukraine. Okay, let's get back to your uh, summary of where you think this is going. Uh, g- give us your uh, belief as to why you believe this, that the West is is just extending an inevitable Russian victory. By extending it, I mean forcing more Ukraine and Russian deaths. Well, as I said, by Russian law, the four regions of Ukraine is, uh, that I mentioned are considered part of Russia. Now, the, the two Putin major reasons... Putin can't stop until he liberates those areas. Uh, he, he, cannot, he cannot stop until those areas are controlled by Russia. That, okay. That's a fact. And the, these, out of these four areas, the two areas that it started with after Crimea was Donetsk and Lugansk uh, uh, People's Republic, as they voted in April of uh, 2014 to be and voted to, as well in referendums to break away from Ukraine. I was there for those uh, referendums as well. And there's a fact that the major population of the uh, uh, the Donetsk and Lugansk areas or Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republic 
are ethnic Russians and support Russia. Uh, and then now that this uh, war has started, uh, it, it intensified over the last year, because as uh, many people think that the war has just been going on for a year, it hasn't been. It's been going on for nine years. It's just gotten... Russia had fully moved in a year ago, but the civil war in Ukraine has been going on since 2014, where the Donetsk and Lugansk People's Republic have been fighting against the government of uh, Kiev. But Got to it. get back to the point is, um, these areas that are uh, legally, by Russian law, considered part of Russia, there's no way Putin or Russia can let these go with any negotiations or anything like this. It just will not happen. And the fact that the West keeps pushing with more of this support uh, to Ukraine uh, uh, just keeps, as you said, uh, extending the the fighting, extending the battle. I mean, I've been covering this for the last nine years, and I, have, I don't see any... Uh, end in, in sight here. I don't have any inkling that this might be over in the next year or two. Of course, it's war. Maybe it could be over tomorrow, but things are not good, looking good for this uh, to slow down. And the fact is, Putin is being pushed into a corner by the West. He, he and Russia cannot let these things go. And if the West keeps pushing, and if the West keeps uh, taking more territory, Things could get really, really bad because Russia cannot let these areas go or it might mean the end of Russia is a lot of uh, Russians consider it because if they okay. let these areas go, that NATO wins and NATO will they can they believe that NATO will continue to push. Got it. Got it. Let's uh, let's run. Uh, my producer, Gary Villapiano, put together a great montage uh, of your work. Let's uh, run it. It's about 90 seconds long, and I'm going to speak over a little bit of it because there's um, uh, people speaking in Ukrainian or Russian. I'm not sure. You can tell us uh, afterwards, and there are subtitles, okay. and some people listen to this podcast as opposed to watching it. So for those listening who can't obviously see uh, the subtitles, I'm going to... Uh, do a voiceover. I'm, I'm not going to use the four-letter words, uh, which seem to be more common amongst Ukrainians than they are amongst American teenagers, but uh, we'll, uh, we understand that. Here we go. I'm Patrick Lancaster. Right now, we are in the Kievsky uh, district of Donetsk on the street of Maladoy Shekturus, or Young Miner. Um, and you can see behind me that this home, not long ago, has taken a direct hit from Ukrainian shelling. gunfire not too far away uh, but we're gonna keep going forward to show you some of the more of the destruction here on the edge of Solidarity. Uh, Vine object. 
Мой дом военный объект. Если бы он был военным объектом, я бы был бы Путиным, ебаный рот, What kind of military? Have you ever seen any military man here? It's not a military target. Why do they fire Идите, радуйтесь вместе с вами Байденом, хуяйдами, со всеми пидорами, которые есть там, What can you say about Americans, both civilians and the state? Probably the Americans are exactly the same as peaceful Russians, peaceful Ukrainians like everyone else. We are very similar in mentality. These are ordinary people. The American government is completely different. A structure that, like any government in the world, that acts on its own interests. And those interests are very far from the interests of Russia. In fact, they are often very far from the interests of Russia, Ukraine, and America, and any other country. Wow. Patrick, I've uh, never seen uh, reporting right from the belly of the beast like that. Let's start at the very end. Were those Russians, or is that a Russian or Ukrainian couple that you were interviewing? Um, actually, that couple um, was part of a, a report that I did uh, just on the uh, the uh, the Russian side of the the actual internationally recognized part of uh, uh, Russia on what uh, the Russians thought about Americans, and uh, they those were Russians from Rostov region, and they just kind of as many of the others gave their opinions. And like a lot of Russian, a lot of Russians have that much bad things to say about uh, American people. Of course, the governments, the United States governments and NATO, they have other harsher things to say about, but so, a lot of so the, the, Russian, whatever the Russian people uh, get this subtlety between the American people and the American government, and their animosity is toward, I don't want to make this political, but the Biden administration, the current American government, their animosity is not toward Americans even though the American government is doing all it can to get Americans to hate all things Russia. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they think people are people, whatever uh, uh, country they're from, and there's every country has bad people. And yeah, definitely, Biden is not uh, very popular in Russia, that's for sure. Um, as most countries around the world Russians look at him as just kind of a, a puppet that doesn't have that much um, mental abilities anymore. Um, is he but, is he uh, popular? Is he popular with the Ukraine people? Uh, are they uh, grateful for the American military aid, or do they see it as causing more destruction and extending a war that might have been over with uh, a year ago without the entry of? Uh, you know, 60 or 70 billion in American uh, military equipment. Well, it's when we talk about, quote unquote, uh, Ukrainian people, uh, there's quite a difference uh, uh, in what's 
is internationally looked at as Ukrainian people. Because if you talk about uh, people that live in uh, the eastern territories uh, like Lugansk and Donetsk, those quote unquote Ukrainian people are ethnically Russian and uh, have been fighting to join Russia and break away from Ukraine, for, as I said, for the last nine years. So those, in those nine years, Ukrainian people Patrick, are totally against uh, the uh, United States government as well. Okay. In those nine years, those ethnic Russians living in Crimea and Eastern Ukraine have actually been at war with the Ukraine government. Is that true? Patrick. Yes, yes. Yeah, for sure. And I've been uh, I've been covering that um, for the last nine years. I mean, a lot of what I do is uh, uh, covering the activities, the military activities, the military events in Donetsk uh, area and uh, the shelling of civilian areas by Ukrainian forces. I've been doing this for nine years. This isn't something that just started uh, last year. Um, I've been covering Ukrainian forces indiscriminately, uh, in many cases, shelling civilian areas. I mean, and that's, it's not civilian something that stopped in the last area, year. Civilian areas, civilian areas of Ukraine. You have been covering Ukrainian forces indiscriminately shelling civilian areas of what Ukraine claims as Ukraine. Is that fair to say? Yes, that is that is fair fair to say. Okay, Ukraine claims it is part does of Ukraine. Go back, the, does this go back to 04 or 14 or just the election of President Zelensky? When did this start? Uh, two, May 26, 2014. The so-called uh, colorful whatever revolution that the CIA fomented. Well, yeah, it, it, I mean, when, when the when Maidan, the the, the revolution, as they say in Maidan, um, started in two thousand, the beginning of two thousand and fourteen, and ended with the ousting of um, the president Yanukovych, the uh, eastern part of uh, Ukraine viewed that as their president was kicked out of office without them saying having any say about it. They, they viewed the, it. the president, which was actually from the eastern part of Ukraine, was kicked out of uh, um, office without their say. And they they felt that their Ukraine was dead and they wanted to leave that uh, corpse of a Ukraine. Got it. Got it. Uh, Patrick, tell us a little bit about your your life. I mean... Where do you live? How do you eat? How do you go about entering these incredibly dangerous environments and, and forgive me, live to tell about it? <laughs> well, um, I mean, a lot of my, when I'm reporting, my base for the most part is uh, the city of Donetsk, which is considered the capital of the Donetsk People's Republic and has been self uh, governing for the last nine years, and well, until it was um, uh, taken in by Russia last last September after the referendum uh, that where the people voted to uh, join Russia, which I uh, covered as well. But a lot of my work over the last eight nine years has been 
showing the attacks on the civilian areas by Ukraine forces. Um, but now in the last year, since things have escalated is so much, I've been going from one hotspot to another, like in, at the beginning in March of, uh, of last year, went to Mariupol when the real fighting was going on there. And I was in the, in the center of the, the, the heat uh, in the uh, uh, Azovstal steel plant and just up, up in front of the battle. And, um, you know, o- over this last year, but in um, many of the the interesting areas that needed reporting that weren't getting any English reporting on this side, because the Western mainstream media, as you know, they don't really cover this like it should be covered. And I try to give people as you know, I'm grateful that you're giving an insight to people on this as well. People need to see information on both sides. In all my reports, I say, I'm not in Kiev. I'm not in Odessa. I'm in uh, where I am at this time, and I'm showing you what I see with my own eyes so you can educate yourself on what's happening on both sides. Don't just watch my reports because the people won't get all the information. But don't just watch reports on that side in Kiev as well. They need to watch things on both sides and educate themselves to have a, a somewhat of a better opinion of what's going on. Have you ever come across any of my uh, buddies and former colleagues from Fox News, or are they nowhere near these hot spots where you are? <laughs> um, I could say almost never. Fox News definitely uh, never, but almost never run into any um, mainstream Western media, you could say. I mean, it's very seldom, especially in the last year. They just don't uh, come come over here. There's a handful of um, uh, foreign uh, journalists that are working in uh, Dunbos in the area, but um, there's no mainstream media really that comes here. Patrick, uh, thank you for your time and your great, courageous work. We wish you well. We hope you'll come back here on a weekly basis. I can tell from the number of people watching and from the quality uh, of their comments, uh, they are ecstatic to hear you. And many of them are already fans of yours. Now you have new ones. Thanks, Judge. Appreciate uh, your time. and I'm honored to be here. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, We'll do it again uh, very soon. Wow. If you like that like and subscribe and tell a friend and then whenever patrick lancaster or scott ritter or doug mcgregor or larry johnson or tony schaefer or phil giraldi or any of our regulars are going to come up you'll get notified more as we get it back to you later today judge napolitano for judging freedom